Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the message. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved, check out our website, message.org.uk. Good morning and welcome to Message Mornings here at the Message Trust in Manchester. And we're delighted to have you join us this morning, wherever you might be watching from, uh, locally or around the world. And indeed, uh, even if you're watching on Catch Up, hope these words ring as true for you on the day you watch it as, uh, as they are on the day that they are spoken. Don't forget, of course, we've got loads of great content for you to check out on Message Live. So do make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're watching on YouTube or like the, the group, the relevant group that you're watching, the Message Trust Facebook page if you're uh, uh, checking it out on, on there. Um, and click the button to get notifications and, and find all the great shows. I particularly want to point your attention to something that we put out just yesterday as the Friday today that I'm speaking uh, it was Thursday afternoon yesterday where we released uh, an interview that Andy Hawthorne did with Nikki Gumbel from uh, HTB and, and Alpha. And you, you really must uh, give that a watch if you haven't watched it yet. Such an amazing uh, conversation, interview, amazing insight from, from Nikki's life. Some of the things that he's learned, his story in and of itself is fantastic to hear how God's been at work. And, and then just a time at the end where where Nikki uh, prayed and, uh, and asked the Holy Spirit to come. And I really believe it will be a powerful time for you if you could take the time to, uh, to watch that. You won't regret it, I am sure of that. Uh, this morning, what we're going to be taking a look at, seeing as I've finished up the series on Jonah, and again, don't forget all the episodes of uh, Jonah uh, are available. Just go back through and you can find the whole series that I did there. And at the moment, Sarah Small's doing a fantastic series on Philippians, and Sam Ward continues in his series from from Luke and Andy's doing a series from 1 Corinthians. The wonderful, brilliant uh, Sammy Jabangwe is, is doing a whole series just on Psalm 1, which just shows you the riches of the Bible, doesn't it? Sometimes we think of doing sermon series as like Andy, Sam and um, uh, Sarah and myself are doing through an entire book of scripture. But Sammy Jabangwe, she, she knows the word. She loves the word so much that she's just taken one Psalm and she's unpacking that over a series of weeks. And my word, how, uh, how rich and full it is to hear such depth taken from just one uh, psalm out of Scripture. It just shows the fullness and the richness that God has for us. Actually, we could preach for, for days and days and days, years and years and years on the same passage of Scripture and still find new revelation of God's truth in it because it is so rich and so good for us day by day. But as soon as I finished my series, and I hadn't quite decided yet, still praying about what to do next, and seeing as uh, right now how things are timed, my new book is about to come out. I thought, well, hey, let's just do a, a morning where I do a little bit of teaching inspired from this new book. If Jesus is the answer, what is the question? It came out yesterday on, on digital platforms on Kindle, uh, but comes out next Thursday, March 25th in paperback. I'll tell you a little bit later on about how you can uh, get hold of some great bulk order discounts for your group, for your church, for your Friends, whoever you want to buy it in bulk discount for, you can, uh, you can find some brilliant discounts that will actually help you get it to the maximum amount of people. But before we get there, let's uh, just spend some time talking about this idea of evangelism in general, because that's what the book is about. It's about personal evangelism. I, I've been an evangelist for around 20 years, and during my years of being an evangelist, I've had many opportunities to train and equip other people to do likewise. And of course, that is what Advance, which I oversee now, is all about. It's about equipping, encouraging, empowering the whole church to take the whole gospel to the whole world for the whole of God's 
glory. And also as we do that, that we would stir this gift of the evangelist. Because there are clearly people that God has gifted and called to live their whole lives uh, as evangelists. Uh, which means that they probably have got a very complimentary gifting for the task, probably very clear, articulate communicators, able to actually be winsome in how they present the good news, probably have a traveling dynamic to it. Not necessarily, but often that goes hand in hand with an evangelist. And when we think of the evangelists, we, we think of the greats uh, like Billy Graham or, or, or Luis Palau, who, of course, went to be with Jesus uh, last week. And we're so thankful for the lives of great men and great women who heard the call to be an evangelist and, and proclaimed the gospel to the masses. But the one challenge with, being, uh, with seeing evangelists around the world is sometimes we can stop and think about our own witness and then feel a bit inadequate in light of the way that they go about sharing Jesus. We think, well, I, I'm not a mass platform preacher. And yes, I want my friends to uh, hear the gospel. I want my family members, my colleagues to hear the gospel. But I'm just not wired the same way that those evangelists are. And yet then we read the Bible and we read passages like the end of Matthew 28, the, the so-called Great Commission. We, we read the start of Acts where Jesus is saying, you're going to receive power to be my witnesses into the world. And uh, we hear Paul's charge to Timothy to do the work of the evangelist, to, to, to preach the word in season and out of season. And we start to put the pieces of the biblical jigsaw together. And we think, nah, I think I have to actually proclaim the gospel. And, and not just because the Bible tells me that I need to, but also because it's, it's in me, the gospel. And, and, it, and it's trying to get out. It's trying to, it's trying to bleed out into the world to, to, to come out so that the world can know the same hope and joy that I have and yet I struggle with it and as I've tried to help people with this over the years people have revealed to me all sorts of uh, problems and inadequacies that they feel and inhibitions that they face with their evangelism so really what I was trying to do through this book is just to do something massively practical that would say to people look one thing that you're definitely doing day by day is having everyday conversations what if we could turn everyday conversations into extraordinary gospel opportunities. So the book presents 10 simple questions, five for you to ask yourself as the messenger to prepare yourself before you go, whether you're a, a, a mass platform evangelist or whether you're someone who's just desperate that the world might come to know Jesus the way that you know Jesus. There's five questions to help you just reflect on your own faith, but also the gospel and how you're going to take that gospel into what. And then five questions for the world. What kind of questions can we ask the world so that they might come to know Jesus a little bit better? And also, there is sometimes the problem that we're desperate to get Jesus to the world. So we go out there saying to people, hey, everybody, Jesus is the answer. And people kind of look at us in response as if to say, to what question exactly? What question do you think that I'm asking that you think that you can provide Jesus for? And a lot of the times we're trying to take Jesus into the world to address questions that the world isn't necessarily asking. They maybe are asking them subconsciously somewhere deep down, uh, but some of them aren't even asking those questions at all. Some of them feel like, actually, no, I've, I've got my identity covered. I, I know who I am. My, my life is defined by my, my family, my career, my, my sexuality. My, my worldview is built around politics and, and my views on ethics and morals. And, and I've kind of constructed a, a worldview that I'm, that I'm kind of happy with and comfortable with. And we're like, ah, but Jesus is the answer. And they're like, yeah, but I wasn't actually asking thanks very much. Sometimes in our desire to put Jesus in front of people, we forget to stop and just ask other people questions. What's going on in your life? What matters to you? 
What are the concerns that you have about God if he really was there? Do you even believe that there could be something supernatural? Would you even open your heart and your mind up to the possibility of an experience with the supernatural? And of course, ultimately arriving at that greatest of all questions that we can ask somebody, would you like to put your trust in Jesus Christ as Lord? But often there's a lot of journeying to get there. And often rather than us leading with Jesus as the answer, perhaps we would do well to lead with questions that can reveal that an answer is needed. And when people realize that an answer is needed, then we can present Jesus as that very same answer. Of course, it's the method that our Lord himself employed most frequently. Jesus was uh, having conversations left, right, and center. He sure did his fair share of preaching, but most of Jesus' uh, actual interactions with people revolved around questions, him asking questions. And whenever he was asked a question, he often didn't actually like to respond with a direct answer. Often, Jesus would reply with a question of his own to dig deeper into the issue, to help people self-reflect until he could rise to the surface as the answer to the questions that sometimes they didn't even realize they needed to ask until Jesus prompted the question. We'll get to some of those questions for the world in a moment, but I thought it would be good today to start off with uh, talking about us as the messengers. The first five questions in the book are about us and how we excuse me, can journey uh, with God and, and, and become more effective in our preparation for evangelism. So let's start with us today. Questions for the messenger. Now, like I said, I've encountered many inhibitions that Christians experience when it comes to evangelism. Perhaps these three stand out especially. The first one is being disabled by the fear of man. I'm sure we can all relate to that in some way. I'd love to share my faith, but man, it's a bit scary. Nobody likes rejection. And the idea of going out and being rejected, it grates on us, it concerns us, it makes us nervous. In the current world that we live in that seems to be very fractious to differing worldviews, and if you spend even just five minutes on Twitter, you'll come away and never potentially want to open your mouth ever again about any subject because it can be such a, a pile on of dissenting view. No, thank you very much. Uh, and, and cancel culture seems to be rife these days uh, with, with you know, you saying the wrong thing or sometimes even saying the right thing, and you can end up uh, pushed to the sidelines in society or, or discriminated against in some way, and you know, even perhaps people losing their jobs and, and stuff over, over comments they make. Now, of course, there are things that we can say in this world that are demonstrably not helpful and not good or even outright evil. And so, yeah, we have to think carefully about the things that are said. But if we know that we carry the truth and we want the world to know the truth, the truth that can set them free, when we start to believe the hype that actually certain worldviews are unacceptable and included within that is the worldview of our Christian faith, professing to the world, you, you do need Jesus, then we will become inactive and we will become held back from the fullness of life that God has for us to reveal his gospel out of the joy of having his gospel present in our lives. We become disabled by the fear. Uh, disempowered by a lack of skill set or calling is the second one and I see this all the time just like I was saying before. I'm not the evangelist type. That guy or that girl over there, they're called to be an evangelist. They're the extroverts. They're the ones that are really good at communication. Uh, I, it comes much more naturally to them. I'm going to leave them to it. God couldn't use me because I don't have the right skill set for him to use me. So many people disqualify themselves uh, or disempower themselves that way. And finally, disqualified by sin or failure. No, I'm too mucky for God to use me. There's stuff in my life that has made me unusable by God. I have disqualified myself for, for service, disqualified myself that God could ever use me as a meaningful witness for his kingdom. 
and so people don't go. Well, when writing to the apparently persecuted church in Asia Minor, Peter has much to say to encourage them to keep going. And this passage from his first letter is a prime example of how the Bible can speak directly to our circumstance today. And it's particularly striking when we think about the above challenges, being disabled by fear, being disempowered by skill set or calling, or being disqualified by sin or failure. Let's read together. 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16. But even if you should suffer for what is right, and Peter's talking to a group of people here, a group of churches across Asia Minor, various territories, that seem to be going through all kinds of persecution and, and you know, at, at the least, sort of discrimination from the people and the culture around them. And they're experiencing sufferings and trials. And so Peter's writing them a pastoral letter, a letter that encourages them on their journey to keep going, to keep living for Jesus. And he says, so even if you should suffer for what is right, even if suffering comes when you're following Jesus and doing the right things, you are blessed. <clears throat> Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Well, there's that fear of man thing, isn't it? Do not fear, the Bible says, over and over and over again. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. What, what's going to help you to move from fear? Trusting that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the Lord of your life, not the world. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Well, again, that sounds a little bit like the skill set thing, doesn't it? Being prepared. There are some people out there, they just always look like they're prepared to answer the apologetic questions, the tough stuff that comes up. They look like they're, they're always ready to, to proclaim the gospel. They're always ready to explain it to whoever that they are that they're speaking to. And, and yet Peter's here saying, look, we all need to always be prepared. In whatever situation arises, if someone wants to know the reason for the hope that we have, you've got to be prepared to reveal why Jesus is Lord of your life. And yet, I think we hear that sometimes and we're like, yeah, no, the preparation is for the people that are called to be prepared. But do this with gentleness and respect. Now, when we hear this passage, and it's a very famous passage, 1 Peter 3.15, gets used a lot for apologetics in particular, for obvious reasons. Always be ready to give a defense of your faith. And that's what apologetics is all about, defending the faith and giving, you know, rational and reasonable arguments for the things that we believe. And he goes on to say, but do this with gentleness and respect. And often when we read that passage, we think, yeah, so when I'm talking to people in the world about my faith, I've got to be gentle. I've got to be humble. I've got to be kind, just like Peter instructs me and respectful. I need to have respect for the person I'm speaking to. Now, this is absolutely true. We should be gentle, and spiritual gentleness does bundle up all of those ideas of compassion and grace and humility and kindness, and, and true spiritual gentleness will always, of course, be driven by love. So we've got to go and exhibit those things. We don't go bambostically beating people over the head with, with the gospel. We go graciously with the truth. But this word respect that ends here, we, we then attach that to going into the world as well. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't respect the world, but I think it would help us to just realize what Peter's actually saying here, where we understand that the original word that is translated in our Bibles here as respect would be better translated as fear. Fear. Now, that sounds like a strange thing, doesn't it? Do this with gentleness and fear. What, so we're supposed to fear the world? We have already been told, do not fear their threats do not be frightened. So is Peter contradicting himself on the one hand saying, don't be afraid of the world, but do be afraid of the world when you go and preach the gospel. That doesn't seem to make any sense, does it? What he's actually saying here is that we go into the world with gentleness in all the beautiful ways that I've described, 
but we go with a fear of the Lord. What does he mean by having a fear of the Lord? He means it's very hard to fear man if you're actually rooted in awe and reverence and submission to God himself. If the fear of the Lord, in the right sense, not, oh, I'm terrified of you, God, but man, God, you are so much bigger than me. You are so amazing. I trust you completely because you are fearful in the right sense of that word, not the negative sense, the positive sense. Wonderful, amazing, so much bigger than me because I have the fear of the Lord at place in my life. How could I have the fear of man? 16, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Well, that's the, the sin and failure thing, isn't it? We've, we've heard about not being frightened, but we struggle with the fear of man. We've heard about being prepared while well, we struggle with our skill set. And now we're hearing about uh, keeping a clear conscience. And, and, and this is the idea of, yeah, sin. I don't have a clear conscience always because sometimes I'm making mistakes. And does that disqualify me from serving the Lord? Uh, because I could then be slandered. I could then be called a hypocrite. And so maybe that disqualification by sin is a valid one. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that the beautiful answer to all of these worries and concerns that we have is actually found in the very same gospel that we will take into the world if we can get over the inhibitions that we have. To get over the inhibitions, we need the gospel, so that by getting over those inhibitions, we can take that very same gospel into the world for God's glory. Last year's, one of last year's Oscar-nominated movies, 1917, and don't worry, by the way, I'm not going to spoil this film. I got told off by Sam Ward the other day for spoiling too many things in these. I think I've spoiled The Avengers recently, and I spoiled Lost recently. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything today, uh, except maybe that, you know, Jesus Rose again. That's a spoiler, but we need that one uh, always present. So last year's Oscar-nominated movie, 1917, tells the story of two soldiers in World War I who are tasked with taking a message onto the front lines, quite a long journey, uh, because it's a, it's a message of life or death. It has information in it that would mean life or death for the soldiers that they're trying to get it to. And actually, to get that message to those soldiers would save them from certain death. But to get that message to those soldiers, the soldiers who are carrying it, the messengers, are going to need to risk their own lives to get there. Now, we might view our role as messengers of the gospel in a similar way. Jumping out of the safety of the trenches, or the relative safety of the trenches, which are our churches and our spaces, that we, that we dwell in with each other, where we're kind of a little bit more protected than we are in other areas of life, and heading out into the battlefield, the spiritual battlefield. Remember, we're not fighting against people. Our fight is not against flesh. It's not against other people. We're fighting against the forces of darkness and evil that want to distort and disturb and distract and destroy life from those who need to hear the message of truth. But where this messenger analogy doesn't quite match up with 1917 is in the impact of the message on the messenger itself. In the movie 1917, and again, I promise, no spoilers. In the movie 1917, the messengers are not actually impacted, transformed, that is to say, by the message that they carry. They first carry the message out of duty. They're, they're told to carry it. They're given a message, this, these are your orders. You have to take it. They then carry the message out of a desire to get it to the front lines because it could save lives, out of urgency, first duty, then urgency. But it's not actually that the message has transformed them, that they've read the message and it has changed them as people. They read the message and they realize, yes, I understand that this message is important. We've got to get it to the front lines. 
but the message in and of itself does not transform them. But in the mission that we undertake into the world, we are not simply carrying a message that is going to save the lives of other people, that is good news for others, that is urgent to get to other people. We're carrying a message that is urgent for us. We're carrying a message that transforms the messenger far more than just carriers of a life and death message. We are the living embodiment of what the message is. It's transformational as we're transformed by our knowledge and our experience of the gospel and submission to its truth. We have the hope to overcome any potential challenge that evangelism itself presents. Why? Because in the message there is power. Why? Because in the message is God himself, the one who empowers us to indeed go and be his witnesses, just like Jesus says, in Acts 1.8, to be his witnesses by his Holy Spirit's power into the world. I want to spend just a couple of minutes right now just praying into some of these areas. And I want to start with this area of being disabled by fear. Are you disabled by fear this morning, terrified of being rejected by the world, terrified of losing friendships, terrified of, of what the cost could be if you actually did open your mouth and profess Jesus as Lord, ask some really good questions into the world. And when Jesus is required then to be put forward as the answer, as the truth, as the way by which people can set free, you're just like, I know I want to do it. I just, I just, I'm just disabled. I'm just afraid. Well, let the gospel of peace enable you to live in freedom. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. If you're struggling with fearfulness, the fear of man today, I want to pray for you right now. Let's pray. Father, we pray against fear. We pray against anxiety. We ask your gospel of peace to take root, take hold in the lives of anybody today who might be struggling with that. And Lord, I struggle with that sometimes. I've been preaching the gospel for, for more than 20 years, and there are still times when I feel the sense of needing to speak to someone, a stranger, someone who comes to my house for some reason, whoever it might be, even a family member perhaps. And I just, something inside me says, well, you could do that, but it could be costly. You could do that, but what will the cost actually be? And fear just rises up that maybe I have more to lose. But Lord, what could I lose when I have you? I have all that I need. And I have your peace when I have your gospel. So Lord, would you give us your peace afresh today? And as we see opportunities to proclaim your good news, would we be filled afresh with your peace? No longer bound by the fear of man, but actually trusting in you. The fear of the Lord at root in us. Complete trust in your wonder and majesty and goodness. Amen. Are you disempowered by weakness? Do you think that actually uh, you don't have the right skill set? I'm not wired like the Billy Grahams or the Louise Palau's or whoever else is of this world. I'm not like them. God couldn't use me. I don't have the right skills. I'm an introvert. I, I don't like talking to people at the best of times. So why would I want to go and talk to people at the worst of times? No, thank you very <coughs> much. Well, let the authority of the gospel empower you beyond your limitation. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, my grace, God is saying, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul goes on to say, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. It's not about your skill set. It's not about how charismatic you are in your presentation. It's, it's not about how extrovert or introvert you are, how, how good of 
preacher or communicator are. It's how much you're prepared to get on your knees and say, God, here I am, will you use me? It's about saying, God, I'm willing, I'm weak, but I'm willing. God, I'm terrified, but I'm available. And see what God can do in your life. Let's pray. Father, if there's anybody out there today who just feels disempowered by their skill set, by the way that they're made up in their character as being introverts rather than extroverts or, or any other character function of their life that seems to hold them back from being bold and sharing your faith so the world could know hope. God, we just pray that they would know that your grace is sufficient, that your power is made perfect in weakness. Lord, if we could go in our own power and our own strength, what use would we have for you? It would be our power of salvation. But thank God, thank you that it is not our power of salvation, which we would surely lord over people in our human frailty, which we would surely use to our own advantage in our human frailty. And yet you, Lord, have revealed that you do not use these things in such a way. You graciously empower And you graciously take weakness and reveal your power and glory through it so that the world can know there is hope. If you're disempowered by weakness today, know that God is simply asking you, are you available? And finally, disqualified by sin. Is there stuff going on in your life? Has there been stuff historically that you just have never been able to really fully get over? Is there stuff going on right now that you need to deal with? Well, let the gospel of salvation restore you to relationship with God and qualify you to serve his kingdom purpose. If we say we have no sin, it says in 1 John, we deceive ourselves. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. You know what that means? That means that even the greatest evangelists in the world have sin going on in their lives, but it's not sin that needs to destroy and dominate. It's sin that when it rises up, can be dealt with, be brought to God, confessed and dealt with and put away and moved on because God removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. That's how far our transgressions are removed from us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Actually, the only way to be a true evangelist, to have the truth in you, is to recognize that you have sin and deal with it so that God can then work through you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To wash you clean. The very same message of washing clean the world is a message that can be lived in your own life and given testimony to God's goodness. That whilst we were once great sinners, he has always been a great saviour. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Actually, no. The problem of sin for the evangelist is not that it might be present in our lives. The problem of sin as the evangelist is, is not recognizing it's there and dealing with it and asking God for forgiveness and asking him to help us move forward so we don't keep making the same mistakes. But his grace is sufficient. Never be disqualified because of sin. Deal with it and then let God qualify you by his saving work. Father, if there's anybody who's going through that right now, I just pray that they will come to you right now confess their sins and leave them with you and know that you can wash them clean. That actually, if we were going on who's perfect, none of us would ever be able to go and evangelize. But by your perfection, we can be washed clean and go for your glory. Amen. Peter goes on to say in his letter, it is better if it is God's will. It's in 1 Peter uh, 3.17. It is better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Look, we're all going to suffer. There's no way around it. We're all going to have difficult times in this life. The only question is, will the suffering be suffering while we're serving God? Or will the suffering be suffering while we're running away from God? 
For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteousness, to bring you to God. In other words, all of these problems that you're facing, all of these challenges that you're facing, they find their solution and their hope in the gospel. Come back to the gospel. Come back to the gospel. The very same gospel that you're going to proclaim into the world and yet are being held back from, you know what will stop you from being held back? Come back to the gospel and let God work in your life. Here is an important truth for you to hold on today as we wrap up together. Suffering is not the opposite of blessing. So many people think that, that suffering is the opposite of blessing, but it's not. That thought, the idea that suffering is the opposite of blessing is really the devil's playground. He wants you to think that if you are enduring suffering, you are outside the blessing of God somehow. But God blesses through our suffering, which is one of the remarkable claims of Christianity. Your suffering is not meaningless. It's not meaningless pain to be endured for no ultimate purpose. Even the greatest pain you experience and face can be used by God for your greatest good. In fact, his greatest suffering was used for your greatest good. His greatest suffering on the cross has saved you. We don't just endure suffering with no hope. We prepare ourselves in suffering to use it for his glory. So it might feel like a challenge to go in so many ways. We might actually face persecution and discrimination. We might have a bit of a rough ride when we talk to people. We might have inadequacy feelings that bubble up and, and, and come upon us and almost make us uh, disempowered to do what God is asking us to do. And it might be costly time and time again, but the gospel is worth it. It changes lives. Let it change you into an ambassador of goodness. And as you prepare yourself to go, a book like this, if Jesus is the answer, what is the question, can help you as you then reflect on yourself, your going, to then go. And as you go, what kind of questions might you want to ask into the world? I present five questions. How are you? Ask simply because we actually care. What is the most important thing in your life? Ask simply because we want to know what occupies the heart space of people's lives. If you could ask God a question, what would it be? Ask simply because we need to see potential barriers to faith. Do you believe in prayer? Ask simply because we want to get God involved. Is there anything stopping you from putting your trust in Jesus today? Ask simply because we want to invite people into relationship with Jesus. So grab, grab this book. I honestly believe, I'm going to give it the hard sell. I'm not even embarrassed about it. I genuinely think this will help you, your friends, your church uh, group to go in a healthy way for his glory. Peter wraps up his letter to the churches in Asia Minor by saying that he wrote his letter so that they might stand firm in God's grace. Well, likewise, I have written this book. I mean, it's not the Bible. It's nowhere near the Bible. Much, 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 infinitely lesser, in fact, than the Bible. But in the same way that Peter wrote his letter that people might stand firm in the grace of God, I, I've written this book so that you might stand up and reveal the grace of God as you know it in your life to the world around you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you can bring healing to any challenge that we face, that you empower and equip us to be your messengers and ambassadors into the world. You are good. And all the things that we've prayed today, would we continue to pray those things? Would we go for your glory? Lord, would this book bless your kingdom? As people read it, would it be an encouragement to them to go and ask some really great questions? And as an answer becomes clear that it is needed in people's lives, then Jesus can be presented as the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Amen. If you want to grab hold of this book, uh, you can do it in all the usual places like Amazon and stuff. But the best place to go, <coughs> excuse me, is revived.com, re-vived.com. You can get great group discounts. You can get 
10 copies for just £3 a book, 25 copies for just £2.50 a book, or the big mega deal for churches, 50 copies for just £2 a book. That's £100 for 50 copies of being able to resource 50 people in your church. And you know what? I'll even jump on a Zoom call for your church and uh, do a bit of teaching around the book for you happily as well. So do go grab it. Do go check it out. Do let us know how it's helping you. And, uh, and thanks so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful weekend. and We will see you next week. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support our work or even get involved with one of our teams. We also have another podcast called The Flow Podcast, where we share stories and testimonies of the amazing things that God's doing in people's lives. Search for The Flow Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.